What's going on? So Susie Park, who's up here leading, uh, she's leading prayer. Um, we both went to, this, we went to the same university, actually. So we're both uh, from the University of North Carolina, Tar Heels. Yay. <laughs> if you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, turn to somebody and tell them I'm happy. And as this is joint prayer meeting, it's a, a prayer meeting where we invite, it's hosted by New Philadelphia Church, but not everyone here is from New Philadelphia Church. So I just want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to the people next to you and just say hello really quickly. Introduce yourself. It's good to know the people that you're sitting next to. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. How's it going? I want to tell you that today has been an interesting day for me. I woke up this morning, you know, at a respectable time, went and got breakfast. And then as soon as breakfast ended, I felt this unbelievable pain in my stomach. And at first I thought, you know, it's just air. It's nothing. It's going to be fine. But it continued to last for like the next four hours. And so about five hours ago, I was still, I was at a hospital. I had an IV in me, but I'm perfectly fine now. Come on, somebody. So yeah, my name is Marcus Corpening. I'm the campus pastor of New Philadelphia Church, Itaewon. And I really feel like we have a word from the Lord for you tonight. So let me say a word of prayer for us before we begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace uh, that saves us, that redeems us, that sets us free and enables us to heal and deliver others. God, I pray that tonight as your word goes out, would it go out with accuracy and power? God, would it speak to us? Would it inspire us? Would it call us forth into into the purposes you have for us here in this peninsula? God, we thank you that every single one of us you've called here because you appoint the times and seasons in which we should live. You appoint the very places that we should go. And so, Lord, speak to us tonight by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How many of us like a good story? Yeah. Right? Better yet, how many of us like a good love story? <laughs> you know, t- touch your neighbor right now. Tell him, I like love stories. <laughs> Hold on, uh, brothers, I saw some of these brothers, you was winking and stuff. You got to calm down. We all like good love stories, right? The title of this message tonight, if you're taking notes, I really believe it's going to be relevant to you and relevant to what God is doing. It's called Pursue Her Again. Pursue Her Again. Real quick, touch the person next to you and say, somebody better pursue me again. Touch it, touch another person and say, I'm about to pursue again. (laughs) And if you're married, don't touch anybody, you know, we envy you. (laughs) How many of us know that God is a God who pursues? 
How many of us know that God is a God who pursues us and he calls us to pursue? You know, in fact, when I became a Christian, I remember one of the first couple songs I heard was by a Christian rapper named Lecrae. And he had this. Wow, we got some Lecrae fans. Lecrae is not here. (laughs) I heard a song by Lecrae and it was called Praying for You. And in the lyrics, he called he referred to the Bible as a 66 book love letter. And I remember hearing that like, what? Love letter? 66 book love letter? And and I was like, oh, I guess God is a God of love. (laughs) But over the course of my Christian walk, I've learned that God is a God who pursues us. And the Bible is filled with stories of pursuit. The Bible is filled with stories of God's love pursuing us. And through and there's many different love stories in the Bible that that speak to that. You know, at New Philadelphia Church right now, we're going through a wisdom and relationship series. Right. Pastor Christian, our lead pastor, he's preaching about wisdom and romance. And that those messages have been challenging, (laughs) encouraging, a little depressing. You know, he just kept talking about marriage being hard work, marriage being hard work, marriage being hard work. I'm like, I already got one job. (laughs) How many jobs? But it's been a really interesting time here in our in our church. And so I want to talk out of one love story that we see in the Bible. I want you to turn to the book of Hosea. I really feel like God's going to speak to you tonight. And so I want you to turn to Hosea chapter one. We're going to look at two verses in Hosea chapter one, and then we're going to flip over to Hosea chapter three later on. And the book of Hosea is about a man. He is a prophet of God. He is a a God, a man who has been called by God and God calls him to some very interesting things. And we're going to see this here. And it's going to have a lot to do, not just with God being a God who pursues and God's love for us. But I believe that tonight this message is going to call us to a greater level of pursuit of his heart in the nations. Because how many of us know that God just doesn't pursue you? He also calls you to pursue his heart. He also calls you to pursue certain nations. Certain causes. To step outside of yourself, to pay a cost, to see that his will would be done and his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. So I want us to look. We're going to look at Hosea chapter one. We're going to read just two verses, verses two to three. And and tonight I'm going to go over three different stories or narratives that we find just simply through the story of Hosea. You ready? Okay. Hosea one verses two to three. I'm just going to read it. You can read it alone. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, or however you pronounce that. And she conceived and bore him a son. Let me read it in the NASB. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry for the land commits flagrant harlotry forsaking the Lord. So he went 
and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, or once again, however you pronounce that. And she conceived and bore him a son. I like this translation right here. It's the NLT. I think it's really clear. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. Just in case some of you were wondering what if God was just using harsh terms and no, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And then the message version says this. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, find a whore and marry her. Some of y'all laughing like what? God keeps it that real? Yes, God keeps it real. (laughs) Find a whore and marry her. Make this whore the mother of your children. Verse three, Hosea did it. He picked Gomer. She got pregnant and gave him a son. There's three narratives I want to talk about tonight. The first narrative is the narrative of Hosea and Gomer. We see here in this passage that God shows up to Hosea. He shows up to Hosea, a prophet, a man of God. And he says, Hosea, I'm wanting to speak to the people. And so here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to tell you to go and marry a prostitute. Not just marry a prostitute, but I'm going to tell you to go and find someone, find a prostitute and pursue her and love her, marry her. Make her yours, and then she will have your children. Can you imagine that? Imagine if you were Hosea in that moment. Like, what would it have been like to, you're just in your prayer closet. Imagine like tonight, you're in your prayer closet. Actually, I shouldn't say that, because then tonight, none of you are going to go pray. (laughs) But God just shows up and says, check it out, David. Check it out, David on. You're up in here praying. He's one of our intern pastors. I just called him out. And Hosea is sitting there and he's praying. God shows up and he says, Hosea, this is what I want you to do. Because the context is because the northern kingdom, Israel, they are in full out rebellion against God. They are worshiping other gods. They have turned to the things of the world and they have looked to those things for their satisfaction. And God is saying, check it out. I want to do this. I want you to go as a sign and marry a prostitute. And make her your wife. What would you do if you were in that situation? If I were Hosea, I'd freak out. Can you imagine what that would have been like to be commanded to go and marry someone that you know is going to reject you? That you know isn't going to be faithful. And not only that you're married, but you're bound to her forever. Not only do you marry her, but you, she's having your kids And it's interesting that names of the kids that God says that you should name them. You should name one Jezreel because I'm going to visit the blood of Jezreel. You should name another one. No mercy. I mean, these are horrible names. (laughs) Name the other one. Not my people. Lo Rumama and Lo Amai. Like those are awful names. There's a sketch on Comedy Central about a substitute teacher. And he just keeps mispronouncing names. A friend of mine, he told me this story. 
he told me this story of a substitute teacher that came into his class and he was reading out roll call and he was like, he was like, shady, nasty, shady, nasty here. And, and this girl raised her hand and said, hold on. My name is shy, Di- shy dynasty. My name is shy dynasty. My name is not shady, nasty. I mean, Hosea has to marry this girl who he knows is not going to be faithful. And then they have three kids and the kids have awful names. I mean, imagine what this is like in this situation. And then Hosea commits himself to this woman. Hosea commits himself to this woman, Gomer, and he loves her. He pursues her. He treats her almost as if she had never been a prostitute. And that sounds like an awesome story, right? Like, you you, you would never see that in a Disney film, but it's an awesome story. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Gomer, she leaves Hosea. She leaves Hosea and she turns back to the same kind of lifestyle she was living. She goes actually right back into prostitution. How do we know this? I want you to turn to turn over one page to Hosea three. I mean, imagine if you were Hosea, you pursue this woman out of obedience to God. You love her. You are intimate with her. She has your your children. You share your life with her. And then she betrays you. She betrays you for another man. You know, that it says that she actually is loved by another man. Hosea three, verse one. And is an adulteress, meaning that even after being married, she leaves Hosea. And it's interesting because according to the law, Hosea had every right to chase her down and kill her. I mean, imagine the emotions he was probably going through when he discovered this. His wife, the one that he's bought, the one that he is, he has pursued. Now she's turned her back on him. And now he's probably filled with jealousy, envy, anger, betrayal. And actually, according to law, he has every right to kill her on the spot. Exodus twenty fourteen says, you shall not commit adultery. Leviticus twenty ten says, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. You guys know the story of in John chapter eight, where Jesus is standing there and they, they find the woman caught in adultery. They never say what, where the man is, but the woman caught in adultery, right? And they grab her and they bring her to the feet of Jesus and they're about to stone her, right? Because according to the law, they had every right to stone her in this moment. Gomer, she deserves to die. She deserves to die. Her sin, her betrayal, her rejection, all of that that she's done unto Hosea, according to the law, he has every right to kill her on the spot. I can imagine Hosea in this moment, right? Filled with all these different emotions and he brings it before before God. And what do you think God says? Hosea 3 verse 1. And the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. The word go in the Hebrew is best understood to mean pursue. To go and pursue her again. 
to go and win her again. The message version of the Bible says, then God ordered me. Start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Somebody say, hmm. Think about that. You find this situation where your wife, the one whom you knew was going to be adulterous, you, 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 you pursue her, you win her heart, and then she betrays you. Sisters are thinking, well, I don't, I, it's hard for me to imagine. Think about a man that you are in a marriage with. He betrays you, and then God says, go back to him. Love him again. Pursue her again. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to hear that? Can you imagine what Hosea must have felt? God was telling him, Hosea, I know that the woman I told you to marry, to fall in love with, has cheated on you. I know that she's right now in bed with another man. I know, Hosea, that right now she is giving herself away to something that will not satisfy and is destroying her relationship with you and your children. I mean, adultery has such a a hefty price, doesn't it? Some of us maybe have been in in homes where there was adultery. I grew up where my mom's boyfriend, he, he would literally stand in front of my mother and tell her that he was going to cheat. The kind of weight that that would put. I remember the depression that my mom would feel. The the hurting of her heart. And then every time he would come back, she would take him back. The rejection. She's destroying her relationship with you and your children. But Hosea, I want you to go and do something radical. Not kill her. Something more radical. I want you to go and win her heart again. Hosea 3, 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Verse 2, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. You know, that 15 shekels of silver, a lethek and a homer, what that actually is the equivalent of was 30 pieces of silver. And 30 pieces of silver, according to the according to the law, was the price that you would pay to buy someone out of slavery. And so God tells Hosea in this narrative, I want you to go and I want you to buy her out of slavery. I want you to pay these 30 pieces of silver to buy her out of slavery, buy her out of prostitution. But I don't just want you to buy her out. I want you to win her heart again. Hosea 3.2 says, I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. 
Why am I starting with this story? Because this story of Hosea and Gomer is the first narrative, but it is actually a type and picture of the second narrative I want to talk about, which is Christ and us. Where actually Christ is Hosea and you and I are Gomer. Some of you thinking, what? I ain't Gomer. I ain't a prostitute. But the truth of the matter is, is that we too, like Gomer, have turned away. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, you and I, we, you may not look at Gomer and be like, mm, that was awful. Man, I can't believe she did that. Oh, I can't believe that that's the way that she would act. But the truth of the matter is, is that each and every one of us have an inclination to sin. We have an inclination to turn away from God. We have an inclination within ourselves to to turn towards our own desires, our own ways, our own flesh even. And what how does God respond? God had every reason to just sentence us to death. But what does he say to his son? He says, go and pursue them again. Romans 3, 10 to 12 says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. You know, Gomer, she didn't have the ability to choose Hosea again. She didn't have the ability to work her way out of slavery to then go back to Hosea. You know that? I mean, we see that even today with human trafficking, where the girls are given the lie that they can buy their way out of slavery. But it's impossible. And the truth is so much with you and I that no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, our works never can equate to salvation. Right. Some of you are thinking, well, that's that's the gospel message. I've heard this before. I said the prayer. But, you know, you never graduate from this. The moment you think you've graduated from this kind of message, you started to fall into works righteousness. And it's another gospel. See, you and I, we had this this tendency, this inclination to sin, this inclination to turn away from God. And what does God say? Pursue again. But not only does God buy us out of slavery by his blood, but he also Wins our hearts. His kindness is what leads us to repentance. I was listening, reading this quote by Martin Luther, and he said that repentance is something that you should do every day. That's a paraphrase. That we never graduate from repentance. That we, each and every day, we're meant to continually bring ourselves back to the cross. To continually reflect upon how Jesus has paid for us, how Jesus has bought us. And how he paid the cost for us to be ransomed out of slavery. First Corinthians six says that our lives are not our own for we were bought at a price. Galatians five says, right, whom the son sets free. Is free indeed that Jesus by his blood, but taking on our sin and our shame, taking on everything that we did, he bought us out of our slavery. Amen. And the interesting thing is that 
even in Jesus, we, I talked about the, how Hosea bought Gomer for 30 pieces of silver. Even in the gospel story, we see how Jesus himself was given up for 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew 26, 15, Judas asked, he says, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. You know, even when we fail, even while we turned away, God still pursued us. But something I've been meditating more and more is that even now. When we turn away, God still pursues us. Even now, when we sin and we fail and we make mistakes, God continues to say to his son, pursue again. God continues to say, I want you to pursue them again. I want you to win their heart again. Pursue them again. Pursue again. In Isaiah 1, 18. The Lord says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. That God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. This is what we live for. This is why we live. And why does this matter? Why am I talking about the pursuit of God for our lives? Why am I talking about this? Because the biggest problem in our Christian walk is our understanding of the gospel. The gospel you believe is the gospel that you'll give. If you misunderstand that that God, he continues to pursue you, he continues to delight in you, he continues to buy you back out of every single mistake, everything that you do that he makes you white as snow. If you misunderstand that the same standard that you live by, you will apply to someone else. And we have to believe this because this we have to believe the gospel in the right way because it leads us to understand the third narrative, which is the church in North Korea. As I was meditating on this passage of Hosea and Gomer, as I was thinking about the gospel and Jesus continuing to pursue us, I felt in my heart that God was also saying to us. Pursue. Again, you know, God has always been pursuing North Korea. In 1907, we see the Pyongyang revival. It started with a young girl, young men standing up and repenting. The goodness of God was so thick in the room that all of a sudden everyone just starts repenting for their sin publicly. And before you knew it. All, this mass revival goes out and thousands of salvations take place in the city of Pyongyang. Pyongyang was known as the Jerusalem of the East. But then we see in the 50s with the Korean War and these different things happening that North Korea begins to fall to, into idolatry. The worship of Kim Jong-il, Kim Il-sung, and now Kim Jong-un, right? But the question God is asking you today is, will you be like Hosea and pursue her? Again, think about when you first came to Korea. 
I thought about when I first came to Korea and the first time I saw a video about what was happening in North Korea. The first time I saw, I saw pictures of the concentration camps. The first time that I heard about what was happening, my heart came alive and I was filled with compassion for what was going on. And I was like, you know what, God, I'll pay whatever cost. I'll do whatever I need to do to see freedom happen in North Korea. But then after a while, you know, you pray and you pray and you pray and then you look at the news reports and it still seems like North Korea is in idolatry. It still seems like they're continuing to worship idols. They're continuing to turn away and it becomes harder to pray, doesn't it? Maybe in many ways it starts to feel futile. And you start to think, well, what's the point? And it's in those moments where God says, hey, will you pursue again? Will you continue to be faithful to pray? Will you continue to be faithful to pursue North Korea again? You know, we at one time were Gomer. It's easy to look at North Korea and say that this nation is Gomer. You see the big iron statues. You see the, the worship of idols. You see the rampant turning away from God. And it's easy to say that that nation's Gomer. But at one point we were Gomer. And if the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to change you, it's powerful enough to change North Korea. In this moment, God is just asking you, will you be his hands and feet and will you continue to pursue her again? Will you recommit your life, your focus, your time, your efforts, your prayers to win this nation? This isn't about ramping up emotion because when Jesus was most overcome with emotion in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was not to follow through on the cross. Right. He said, if it's possible, just take this cup from me. But he said, no, not my will, but your will be done. It's actually a decision of the will to continue to press in, to continue to push forward. God is looking for people who are willing to adjust the, the entire trajectory of their lives to continue to pursue North Korea. To see his kingdom come and his will be done. Will you pursue again? Are you willing to pursue North Korea regardless of what you see in the news? Are you willing to continue to pray and to commit your life regardless of what's happened or what you can see with your own natural eyes because of what God has done for you? And because of the need of what God wants to do there. To pursue even when she's unfaithful, knowing that one day, whether it's now or 20 years from now, her heart will turn for good. Will you pursue her again? I want us to take a moment and pray.
you know, tonight. I didn't want to come up here and preach at you for 45 minutes for an hour. I just felt like the call of God was very simple. Will you continue to pursue? Will you continue to commit your life? I know there's many of you, you've been in Korea for a while now. Maybe you're starting to grow restless. Maybe you're starting to feel futile. You're starting to feel like, what's the point? What's the point of all this? Why should I continue to pray? Why should I continue to stay in Korea? Why why should I even do what I'm doing now? And God's asking, hey, will you just be obedient? pursue again you've been faithful but there's one thing I have against you you've forgotten your first love that zeal that passion that you had to see freedom that zeal and that that fire inside of you to see the concentration camps be eradicated to see the borders open up to see freedom has started to wane and distraction has come from all these other things and God's like hey what check your heart what really matters right now you know when I came to Korea in 2008 The reason I came was just because I felt like God was going to do something amazing here in this nation and that he was calling me to come back here after I did exchange. And there have been times where it's been hard. There's been times where I've read the news and it's felt futile. It's felt like, you know, this regime has been around for 50, 60 years now. But even in the midst of it, I just sensed God was saying, Marcus, I'm just looking for people who are fully committed. I'm looking for people who are fully committed, who will adjust the trajectory of their lives to follow my call. Who will commit everything that they have to see this nation set free. Because they're just so filled with thanksgiving. They're so filled with love and gratitude for the way that I've saved them. That they're willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen elsewhere. Jesus takes us from being gomers and he turns us into Hoseas. People who are who don't give up regardless of what we see. But I feel like God is calling us to recommit ourselves. And so if you felt like in your heart that you know what I've grown weary been trying to consider my other options you felt futile but you sense that word that's just resonating in your heart hey are you will you pursue again 
Will you recommit? Will you come with the same zeal and same passion as you did before? And inside you have that same answer as Hosea saying, yes, Lord. Yes. If that's you. I just want you to stand to your feet.